just anybody. Help. You know I need someone. They are asking for help, but we're talking about the help. Yep. There's a difference. There is. And the, the help we're talking about is not usually very helpful. <laughs> Deadly. By the way, didn't I sing that in karaoke that one time? The one time way back, the first time we went and I sang the Elvis song to you. You did. Then I went back up with our friend Eric, and didn't we sing Help I, by the Beatles? I don't have any recollection of that. Because it made such an impression on you <laughs> on one of I our remember the, early I remember dates. The, I remember the Elvis song you sang. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about The Help. Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast. I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And we are from MadWolf.com. And first of all, as we always do, when we come back after a Fright Club Live, we've got to say a big thank you. Yeah, what a nice turnout. What a great crowd. We talked about uh, tools, sort of toolbox horror, uh, and we screened Antichrist, yes. which is a tough, tough film, but the, they loved it. Yeah, it was the last podcast and coincided with our, our last Fright Club Live, as we always do once a month. We tape the podcast live there at the Gateway Film Center in Columbus, Ohio, and it was. It was a good time and a great movie, and I think more than a few of the uh, moviegoers did not know where it was going. No, I think you're right. Well, if you don't know the film, if you haven't seen the film, it, it, it's hard to predict where yeah. it's going. And, you know, I mean, there was one particular tool-related scene, but she, there's a whole shed. There's a whole tool <laughs> shed put to use in this film. And when it when it went there, I heard some noises. I oh, heard yeah. Some... <laughs> I mean, I, I've seen that movie I don't know how many times now, and I still i am I'm always, oh, yeah. I have to make my, like, you're just going to watch it this time. Yeah. Don't don't look away. Oh, there's, there's squirming in the oh, seats yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was a good time. Thank you very much for that, as always. And we look forward to the next Fright Club live event, which is going to happen, as luck would have it, on our wedding anniversary. That's true. Which is June the 14th. June 14th, we are going to show the film They Look Like People, which is just borderline horror. It's very tense and, and disturbing. Uh, not gory, not not super-duper scary. So if you're uh, if you're not a hardcore horror, it's not Antichrist, is what I'm saying. So come on <laughs> out. It's a really great film. We and we're. To- we try to vary it up a little, a little bit. bit. After yeah. you, we see something, we show something that's so physically punishing right. as Antichrist. Try to lighten the mood a little bit. A little so. bit, a little bit. And uh, and we're going to talk about mental disabilities in horror. So we did physical disabilities, I don't know, six months or so ago. So that's what we're going to talk about this time. Did you pick that mental disabilities because it's on our anniversary? Was that some sort of plan Might by you? Might have been you? subconscious. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that, as always. So mark it down and make it out there if you can. We always have a great time at the Gateway Film Center for you know, Fright actually, Club Live. We're going to have a bonus Fright Club what? between now and then. So usually we just do two a month, but every so often there's was, five weeks. Is this in the budget? Off. Who yeah. approved this? <laughs> we, we are going to sit down with senior filmmaking correspondent Jason Tostevin. We always love when he comes on. And we are going to talk about the best of the year so far. And I'm sure we will also get a couple of plugs in there for the Nightmares Film Festival. That's right. Which Jason is one of the uh one of the programmers yeah. of mm-hmm. and we are very lucky and honored to be a part of that as well. And I know we've mentioned it a couple of times, but we'll mention it again. Please make plan I'll tell you what, if you can possibly be in the area uh for uh for the week or it's about what, four days? Yeah. Four days, five days. 
in October, uh, it's going to be great. They, they had the very first one last year, mm-hmm. and it was so it was so impressive anyway. Yeah, it's, but it, even even more impressive because it was the first year. Yeah, it was it it was it's just a great community event for filmmakers. You yeah. know, they you, you really they really emphasize the filmmaking community, and and they had some great great films out there. Uh, Jason just put on a, a wonderful event. I mean, go to. You know, Film Freeway. It's it, it just to see people's comments on how great that festival was last year. And and you're right, come out, do it. This year it is going to be October 19th through the 22nd. Gateway Film Center, right there in it's a Columbus, Nightmares Ohio. Film Festival. It's our home away from home. And you can find it on <laughs> find it on Facebook. Uh, Nightmares Film Festival. Look it up. Please take our word for it. It's going to be great. If you love horror films and that whole community, you will find a great, great community of like-minded people, uh, as we have. Right there at the Gateway Film Center. So we'll have more about that, and we'll talk about the best so far in horror. And I'm excited because there's at least one more that we have to see, and we're going to see before we tape that yes. we're looking forward to a lot. So, uh, yeah, so we're so excited. <laughs> should be a good one. But uh, we've got the help, and it's fuzzy. Is it fuzzy math? It this is week? fuzzy math. Top six, top five. That's always fun. Bonus content. <laughs> so we'll start with one that I haven't seen. So you'll have to fill me in on this one as well. It's the story of a woman returning home to her estranged family after a near-fatal accident, and she begins to suspect something is not right from 2015 Estranged. This is our home. We can't all run away when we feel like it. Something doesn't feel right. Didn't I ever tell you why I left? No, you wouldn't talk about it. Where is my boyfriend? (laughs) Sometimes sacrifices have to be made. To protect the ones you love. This is one I got to see. I I reviewed some films that ran uh, London's Fright Fest. And this was one, and I liked it a lot. And I, and I was sad because I never really saw it kind of roll out here, and I was hoping that it would. I don't want to give too much away because it's definitely one of those sort of head-trippy things change what's going on here. But uh, a woman, she's in a car accident. She winds up back at her uh, her childhood home, and she has been estranged from her family. But she has amnesia. She can't really remember anything. And for some reason, nothing's coming back to her there at the house. And uh, and things are weird. And uh, it's kind of a mansion situation. It's very uncomfortable. It's interesting. It gets... It's an unusual film. Amy Manson is a star. She's great. Uh, the British character actor James Cosmo, you'll recognize him when you see him, uh, plays the father figure. And he's menacing and wonderful. Well, it's funny because James uh, Cosmo and then the other actress in this movie, Eileen Nicholas, right? they played a married couple in the tra- in train spotting. Yes. Back in yeah. 1996. They play Ewan McGregor's parents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those movies that you are trying to puzzle through what's happening as the, the, the lead is trying to puzzle through what's happening because she has, well, she has a traumatic brain injury. So she's having a hard time with it. And uh, there's there's definitely, you know, you don't understand. She doesn't remember why she's estranged from her family. And they seem very happy to have her home. And But there's clearly something amiss. And uh, one of the great, so there's a, a, a an actor that plays her brother, James Lance, who's just 
unseemly perfection. And um, um, and it does it takes a unexpected sort of brutal turn at a certain point. And and uh, so it, it's in, I'm not going to say which films, but it's kind of a combination of three different films in a certain way. Uh, but at the same time, it pieces things together in a way that it, it remains very fresh. So it's, I, I doubt you've seen it because I really it, it didn't really get any kind of theatrical release stateside. So, you know, seek it out. Have a look. Estranged. So can we say where the help comes in? Is that too much of a spoiler? Well, it's a mansion where she lives. So there's there's paid help there. Okay. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Okay. That's number six in our fuzzy math. Top six, top five. The help horror. And it's estranged. Moving on to another one that just came out. This was from last year uh, at number five, right? A young nurse takes care of an elderly author who lives in a haunted house. I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. I have heard myself say the house that holds a memory of a death is the staying place of a rotted ghost. My name is Lily. I'm going to be staying with you from now on. I hope that's all right. I am 28 years old. I will never be 29. The first thing that caught my eye about this one when it first got on our radar was that it's directed by the son of Anthony Perkins. Yes, Oz. Oz Perkins, who also did Black Coat's Daughter, yeah. which there's a good chance we're going to talk about that here coming up in a, in a couple of podcasts. Um, and uh, so I think, I don't think I'm the Pretty Thing got a theatrical release. It's a Netflix. Just Netflix, yeah. Yeah, I think it just went directly to Netflix right. and streams there. So there you go, everybody. Have a look. If you haven't seen it, it's it's uh, a slow burn of a movie. Uh, pretty small, really, really atmospheric, really well put together. And the, the help in this film is this hospice nurse who has moved into, uh, you know, as 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 you said, the, you know, the, sort of this old mansion of this this um, uh, dying author. Um, and uh, it's almost a one man kind of a show. This uh, Ruth Wilson is her name and she's she plays the nurse. And you really just kind of follow her through her days and the the author is like a Stephen King-esque author, right? She's New England, and she writes spooky books, but this nurse is afraid to read them. But then she starts reading them, and then she starts seeing things, or is she seeing things? And it's just, Oz Perkins has a lovely way with odd details. And it's funny because there are a couple lines that stand out in this film that I remembered from Black Coat's Daughter. I ah. actually watched the two films in the same weekend. Mm-hmm. And they're unusual lines, which is why they stand out, but they don't really... It's I just I really like the way he puts together movies. And we should mention that the author is played by Paula Prentice, who I don't think she has done a movie in about 10 years. And all of a sudden, it's one of those faces when I first saw her, I'm like, wait a minute, who is that? Because she's, <laughs> you know, gotten a little bit older now, as as we do. And, uh, yeah, Paula Prentice back in the movie for the first time in a while. I really like this film. I like the way it's put together. I like the—it's very muted colors, a lot of white, and, um, and, and yeah, kind of a ghost story. I like the way it goes. I like the way it builds. It reminded me at times of the film— Darling, which I also liked, and is another the help. And in that case, Darling, the um, the woman is is hired to take care of the building. She's she's hired to live there while the rich family moves away. Um, and uh, and so she's alone, and maybe she's not quite right in the head, or 
maybe there's something wrong with the house. And it's it's that kind of a thing. Uh, I mean, The Pretty Thing is a much stronger film. I just really, the performances are very solid, but more than anything, the writer-director stands out as just being really confident and knowing exactly how to tell the story that he is telling. And it's a bit of a genre, a bit of a gothic yes. kind of a, kind yeah. of a tale, yeah, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. I know some people like those types of horror shows better than others. So if that's your bag, a gothic horror, this mm-hmm. was definitely another one to check out. And as you said, it's on Netflix. Yeah. So we don't think it ever got a theatrical release. But uh, I am the pretty thing that lives in the house, number five, our list of the help horror. And we're going back a few years for one. I remember when we saw this one, and it, it, at the time... I think it was a little bit under the radar, even though it has a big star in it, and we just were really impressed. It's the story of a woman who lives in a darkened old house with her two photosensitive children, and then she becomes convinced that her family home is haunted. From 2001, it's the others. Sometimes the world of the dead gets mixed up with the world of the living. You told your brother that there was someone else in the room. There was. That'll do, Anne. I've seen them, too. Sooner or later, she'll see them. What do you want? This is another kind of a ghost story movie. Spooky, atmospheric, slow burn, well done. With a good payoff. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and it's it and actually it's very reminiscent of another movie that we're going to talk about yeah. on this list. Uh, Nicole Kidman is brilliant in this movie, as she very often is. That she does a great job with brittle characters, mm-hmm. and uh, and she's the mother of these two photosensitive children. And then you're like, or are they? Right, right. It's like right off the bat, there's something, something is, yeah. just not right. And she's uh, again, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a gothic. Yeah. Kind of sheen to the whole thing where absolutely. you do right from the beginning. You're like, wait a minute, something is just off here. Yeah, absolutely. The little kids, uh, um, Alakina Mann and James Bentley, Cowdy Custards, both of them. They, <laughs> I love these kids. I love these kids in this movie. It and is so you know so what? Good. They they won the uh, about five thousand kids auditioned for these roles. Wow. And so yeah, so they went through a very uh, strict auditioning process. But the producers were looking for kids who would be strong opposite Nicole Kidman and they found a couple of doozies. Yeah, oh my god, they're so funny and fun and cute and you know, terrifying sort of at the same time. Yeah. Uh and and in this case the help, right? Uh so Nicole Kidman has to hire new help uh because she just gets up one day and and the, you know, the the yard man and the the housekeeper and the cook they're gone. They didn't even take their wages. They're just gone. And so she's got this new set of of uh, servants led by an amazing performance. By I hope I'm not going to slaughter her first name. It's Fianola Flanagan. She's who plays kind of the den mother of, of you know, the servants trying to kind of usher Nicole Kidman toward a certain way of thinking. And she's just wonderful. Alejandra Amanabar directed this, who also did The Sea Inside, which we were actually just talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, a um, Javier Bardem movie that we love. The way that he kind of positions, you know, the the hired help, the what they look like, uh, what they act like, and their kind of earthy understanding of the situation, as opposed to Nicole Kidman and the way she behaves and the way she looks and... 
it's really uh, masterful, you know, and then um, just the, the look of the entire film and, and just the opening and closing of doors and the, the use of keys. And, and it's like you say, there's there's a, a payoff coming. And it's it's one of those films where if you just look back, you know, you realize there was a whole other movie happening that you didn't see. And it all works out beautifully. It's just it's a it's a great movie. You know, something I got to I got to let you know, Fianola Flanagan. She was the voice of Grandma in Song of the Sea. Oh, everyone watch Song of the Sea. Do it right now. How's your mind blown? My mind is blown. Yeah. Uh, she was, she, she's steadily worked. She played, uh, there was a movie uh, a few years back with uh, Mark Wahlberg called Four Brothers. Oh, they right, revenge right. their mother. Yeah. who got. She plays the mother. Sure. So she's one of those people that just turns up in a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Always good, but you're right. This performance in this movie, she's just... The way she does it, like you said, the way she tries to steer her in a certain way, right. you're just like, what is your deal? Right. You know, what, What's your end game mm-hmm. here? And of course, you don't know it yet. No. Uh, and as we said, it's a great payoff that we're not going to spoil, uh, but really well done, well well put together, uh, well acted in all, all phases. You're right. Nicole Kidman is great. And I guess she had said that she almost didn't want this role because it took her to a dark place. Interesting. You know? And some people are more... You know, accustomed to that, more comfortable with that than others. That is, I mean, that's interesting. And 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 the other thing, which is one of the things I like about Nicole Kidman, is that she's not afraid to play an unsympathetic character. Right. And it is hard to generate sympathy for this for this mother. Yeah. And actually, the basis for this movie is an episode of the British series Armchair Theater called The Others. Okay. And that goes back to 1970. And then that was remade in 1972 uh, with a movie called The Voices. Uh, again, from 72, which I don't think we've seen. And this version here of the others is more elaborate, more developed, but the, the basic story is the same. Mm. So that's number four on our list of the help horror. The others from 2001 and up to number three is one that we've talked about once or twice. What? A little movie called The Shining. Mr. Grady, you were the caretaker here. I recognize you. I saw your picture in the newspapers. You, uh, chopped your wife and daughter up into little bits. And, uh, and you blew your brains out. I'm sorry to differ with you, sir. But you are the caretaker. You've always been the caretaker. I should know, sir. I've always been here. I know, I know. It's on here all the time. What about? What, what, what am I supposed to pretend it's not a great movie about hired help? The whole cast is nothing but hired help. And of course, Grady. Oh my God, Grady! I know. If you have to pick which one, Scatman or Lloyd? No, Grady. Lloyd. Grady. Bar- yeah, Grady. That yeah, scene. Lloyd is great. Yeah. I know we've talked about it before, but that scene we just we just played there. I love it so much because now that I've seen the movie so many times, now when I when I see it, I often think about Kubrick's legendary penchant for multiple takes. And I always think to myself, how many times did they do that scene? Yeah. And which number is this that is the keeper? Because it's just brilliantly played, not only by Nicholson, but Philip Stone, the actor who plays Grady, Kubrick favorite. Yeah, I love it because of the 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 balance, the shift of power. Exactly. In the scene. Yeah, that's, you just yep. know that minute like, oh, 
it's turned, and now he all of a sudden is not the, you know, do anything to please you servant. He's menacing. Yeah. And you talk about someone who wants someone to think in a certain way or leading you in a certain direction. Man, is he forceful yep. and scary by the end of that. Love that scene. And oh, that, my God. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, you know, almost every scene in that movie is a keeper, certainly. But, yeah, that one is really, um, you know, it's, it's, it's so pivotal for the entire film. It, it's easy to forget. In fact, I did when we first were talking about these movies um, for this list. When you had The Shining on there, I thought of Lloyd and I mm-hmm. thought of Grady. And then you said, well, no, they're they are yeah. hired help. That's right. He, he was brought in. To, of course, be the caretaker. You've right, always care- been the caretaker. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's pretty important uh, in the in the sc- scheme of things and how it and how it goes on. So, yeah, it's fascinating. Of course, this movie can be and has been dissected in so many ways, but this is an interesting way to approach it. One of the things, so even in just the, the three that we have looked at so far, you know, uh, we did one about steps, evil steps, and uh, and I think part of the sort of insidious sort of terror about uh, steps is that it's really a stranger who doesn't belong in your family and they're being brought in and and situated inside the family and it seems unnatural, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because uh, I think that a lot of situations in horror films, what they exploit is that same concept with hired help. It's like, it's your family, it's your business, and here are these strangers and they're they're allowed into this very sort of intimate realm. Mm-hmm. But I think in a different way with with the help is that so you can look at the help as the menace or you can take the point of view of the hired hand. And I think that's because I think part of the reason that that's an easy shift to make for a filmmaker is because most of us watching a movie, we are more likely to feel akin to the the people who don't have enough money to hire someone to come into their house, right? right? Yeah. So, so it's it's easy for for the viewer to take the point of view of a hired hand as uh-huh. well. So you have a lot of opportunities for creepiness because then you are the stranger living in this weird family's house, and everybody else's family is weird, mm-hmm. you know. And so, and I just I love and and one of the things I like about the 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 six films we have here is that they 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 do give you a chance to look at it from all different points of view. Yeah, that's a great point. And of course, a skilled filmmaker can play with that, knowing where what you are going to be relating to and maybe guiding you to be relatable to a certain character and then exploit that if mm-hmm. they want to. So yeah, Absolutely. that's a good point. So that is number three, The Shining from 1980 on our list of The Help Horror. And we go back to one, we, we, when we were talking about the, uh, the others a little bit ago, we referenced another movie. And that is the one checking in at number two. A young governess for two children becomes convinced that the house and the grounds are haunted from 1961. The classic, The Innocents. We lay my love and I beneath a weeping Another one I know we've we've talked about this movie several times. I love this movie. Yeah. I love this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a classic. And I know it's often told. I mean, the the general conventional wisdom that it's based on the turn of the screw, but mm-hmm. it's actually much of the screenplay comes more from William Archibald's 1950 Broadway adaptation of the turn uh, of the, the screw, James which is Donald. called The Innocence. Yeah. So so yes, it. I mean, it derives from the turn of the screw, but. 
you know, because I know we've talked about that before. But in my research, I uncovered this little bit, this little <laughs> tidbit I wanted to pass along. But, yeah, this one is also very it's black and white and very atmospheric. Very. And it's another, you know, it's a, it's another high-strung female whose house may or may not be haunted. And that's kind of the point of the movie is, is she a reliable point of view character or is she not? And and of all of the films that have ever done that, I think Deborah Kerr does it best. She's magnificent in this movie. And it's the opening sort of prologue. You hear, you see these, like, these little child's hands in prayer, right? You hear this creepy song and Deborah Kerr's voice and she says... I just want to, all I want to do is keep the children safe or something that's just, you're like, mm, wait, what? Like, <laughs> why is that coming up right now? Um, she's just, and you don't, she's a spinster, right? And and so uh, a lot of the, uh, I think, tension is, is she just being driven mad by this tale of lust that uh, and the dead people and the, or are they there? Are yeah. they because the kids do seem like there's something wrong with them. Yeah, they really do. And it's a bit of a a slow burn oh, definitely. as well for this toward the payoff. And here's something that you'll like. Uh, in the in the, the cursed video that we love so much from The Ring, Yeah, about 25 seconds into it, there's a young boy's muffled singing that can be heard. And that's <gasps> taken from this movie. Nice. Huh? Nice touch. I like it. Nice touch. And yeah, this one is one that it's... It's not the kind of horror, you know, it's it's very subtle, but it's very goosebumpy. Gets under your skin it a little does. bit. It does. It does. It really does. Yeah. And, um, you know, you just, you feel for her. And I think that that's, that's really a feat because I don't think this is a character that many of us could really relate to. And, uh, and it's an unusual point of view character, a spinster, right? Uh, high strung. Right. And I think usually... She would be a character, we, the the audience is more likely to relate to somebody who sees her as an embarrassment. Like, oh, you know what I mean? But instead, this is the this is the only narrative voice we have through the entire film. And it, it puts the whole movie off kilter. Yeah. Because it's hard to know, am I supposed to think she's crazy? Or am I supposed to think this is really happening? And her performance is so strong um, and believable and, and tender um, and at the same time, like Nicole Kidman, brittle. It's a fascinating movie. It, and, and you know, uh, The Turn of the Screw and also The Innocence have been made a number of times. But this is this is absolutely the, the masterpiece of them all. Well, and one of the writers of the screenplay, Truman Capote. Right. None other than. So. It's hard to go wrong there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Number two on our list of the help horror is The Innocence. And that leaves room at the top for one that we talked about just a few weeks ago. And everybody's been talking about this year for good reason. It's the story of a young African-American meeting with his white girlfriend's parents for the first time. Jordan Peele's Get Out. Do they know I'm black? Should they? Do you smoke in front of my daughter? I'm going to quit. She can take care of that for you. How? Hypnosis. I'm good, actually. So look, I go do my research. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how are you not scared of this, man? Get out! Yo! <laughs> Sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. No, 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 no. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. And it's interesting because uh, this movie comes out on home video this week. It does. So anybody that missed it. 
get it, get it, get it. Yeah, first of all, what's up? (laughs) But uh, second of all, yeah, get it. And because it's so well done. Such a great piece of accomplished filmmaking for Jordan Peele, who is certainly not a rookie, but it's his first feature as a writer and director. And boy, what what potential and talent does it show? Yeah, it really does. And what we've talked about before um, is the way he... In his storytelling, he inverts the traditional slasher so brilliantly. Yeah. You know, if we're just going to look at the, the concept of the help in this one. Yeah. Right. It's very crucial to the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. So he goes home and and what Catherine Keener is the mom and she's brilliant as always. Bradley Whitford is the dad. Yeah. Also always great. And they have their beloved housekeeper who's a little off, but She'll be fine, and 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 then they have the you know the 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 gardener, the, the gardener. Car- yeah, um, who does the get that became the get out challenge, yes, where you run, run. St- straight ahead at somebody and then turn at the last minute. Those two characters, they're the first glimpse that we as an audience get that there's something seriously wrong here, and it takes quite a while to figure out what is it. It does. What is wrong here? Yeah, and it does, and. We'll give mild spoiler alerts here, but uh, they're crucial to something that I mentioned this last time we talked about it. Uh, writer Rebecca Carroll wrote a, a great piece about this, of what she called this movie takes the idea of cultural appropriation, which mm-hmm. which it addresses, and yeah, then it takes it even further, starting with these characters right. in cultural harvest is what sure. is what she calls it. And that's great. That's it's, it's a great way to uh, describe it, because it's basically saying that these people that come to the to the mansion to bid on this service, then they can be in the bodies of these African Americans, but still they're still secure in their white privilege because they know deep down they're still white. And that all starts with these two because they're the stereotyp- stereotypical African American minority servants to white people in a big mansion. And it works on so many levels that way. I just love it. Yeah, there. I mean, there's, and of course, they're posing as the servants. Yeah, at, for which, the boyfriend. Yes, mm-hmm. for his benefit, and they're they're doing a terrible job of it, <laughs> and 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 there's good reason why they're doing a terrible job of it. Right. Uh, but um, it's just, and especially uh, even though it's it's the uh, it's the groundskeeper who's alarming, but it's really Georgina who I think is the most scary, you know, because. It's, it's like she has the most trouble staying in control of right. this situation that's been developed there. Yeah, because you heard in, in the little clip we played where, where she's just, no, 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 no. You think, so? what are you yeah. trying to hold in or keep from getting out? Yeah. 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 It is a scary movie. It, it's an unsettling movie. Yeah. And it's the kind that sort of stays with you, partly because what you're noticing on the surface level Later on, you're going to realize how much more is beneath, really, all of the jump scares or all of the, you know, interesting directions yeah. that things go. There is so much underneath of it. And, and the, the two primary servants in this film, they're so important to the entire film. Yeah. And the performances, I think, are probably underrated because they're fairly small roles. But Yeah, those actors are Betty Gabriel. She plays Georgina. And Marcus Henderson is Walter. It's a layered type of performance oh. that they have to give, and they're great. Very much so. And and as we said the first time we talked about this movie, it's it's clear Jordan Peele is a horror fan. Yes. Because he works in 
numerous homages to certain themes, but at the same time, as you said, inverts them. Inverts one huge one just in the final girl. Yes, uh, Inverts absolutely. that to, to great effect. But there's just a number of just touches throughout the entire film that, that show he has a very good basis for this genre, and he knows what he's doing in, in subverting it in certain ways. And another reason that this... Um, movie has come up again in the last couple of weeks, or actually just in this week, I saw that the alternate ending that we, I think we talked about is out there. I watched it. You can see it on YouTube, the alternate ending. And uh, that's, it's very interesting to see what that reaction would have been because there was another great piece I read by a writer named uh, Kenitra Brooks about the unique cultural privilege of white women and how it plays out in this movie because not only, regardless of which ending you take, mm-hmm. e- even if you look at what she says, look at the way the different murders in the movie are framed. Some are very bloody, but not against white females. You know, when Catherine uh, Keener gets it, it, they cut away. Right. You know, and it's a very interesting, very interesting piece. There's so many great pieces about this movie that I read since it came out, and that and that's one of them. You know, if I could say one thing, because again, I think, for me, I think one of the things I find the most impressive is the way he subverts the concept of the slasher. Mm-hmm. Um, and historically speaking, in a slasher film, it is the white girl that just gets gutted and, and the most blood and the most is made of. That's really the that's, gratuitous nature is the opportunity to damage a beautiful girl. Not necessarily a white girl, but a beautiful girl. But is, the, dif- it, the difference is in almost, I would say in almost all of those movies, she's getting killed by a white person. So I think the point was more in contrast to the black community. So that would be the big difference there, I think. I do. No, I understand what you're saying, but I just wanted to, for me, a lot of that was, again, it had more to do with the way he took the slasher genre and adapted it. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So, um, so anyway, I, I think that there, but there's just, it's, it's a funny thing that you would, you would not, like you're saying, expect a first time filmmaker to do something so confident and so layered that it can be dissected in this way and yeah. stand up. Yeah, and, and I'm so glad it made so much money. Oh, I know. Because not only is it a movie that deserves to be seen and talked about mm-hmm. and written about, yeah. but it also means that he can keep making movies right. and get more creative control. He obviously had a lot of creative control on this well, one. Well, you know, and, and, and as what we've seen in the news is that he's been offered a lot of stuff that he doesn't take because he wants to write his own material. Yeah, which is awesome. Which, obviously, he does a nice uh, job of very that. Very much so. So that is number one on our list of the help horror Get out from this year. So what do you think? Let us know uh, about these choices or some that we missed. We always love to hear those that slip through the cracks. Uh, Can I just a a little nod to a couple? So there are a couple that are just not horror, but are great and have some great help scenes. And one is going to be one of our all-time favorites, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Love the help in that movie. Okay, But then also uh, The Handmaiden. Right? Oh, yeah. Chanel Park, we love him. We love this movie. It was oh. a gorgeous movie to watch. Neither of us consider it a horror film. I know no. a lot of people do. I don't. We do not. But it is a creepy, weird movie. Kind of fits in like that. And in a similar vein, there's oh. one called The Housemaid, which is an Asian film. And it's a drama, and it's tense, and it's it's very tense. Not a horror movie, but an interesting one. Kind of fits in here. So I just want to throw right. out some other options. All right. Fair enough. So uh, let us know what you think. Mad Wolf, at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F on Twitter, best way. We always have nice conversations there. Of course, the Facebook page is Mad Wolf Columbus, and the main website, MadWolf.com. So we look forward to the next podcast that will be with 
our buddy, our chief filmmaking correspondent, Jason Tostevin, where we talk about the best of horror so far. And then we look forward to the next Fright Club Live, as we talked about June 14th, when we're going to show... They Look Like People. And talk about what? Mental... Disabilities. Disabilities. All right. So big stuff on the horizon, as always. Looking forward to it. Until next time, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Mad. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends. Won't you please?